1: this edition of hoopsology matt thomas and justin goodrick recap the nba draft discuss the chris paul and chris taps trades and the latest concerning free agency please email your questions to hoopsologypod.com and follow us on all social media platforms for our latest content also subscribe to our youtube channel we're a proud member of underdog podcast and now hoopsology's in the lab
0: welcome to in the lab with hoopsology I am Matt Thomas, joined as always by my best friend and co-host, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man? Doing really well. How about yourself? Doing well. Kind of a crazy week last week. Lots of weird news out there. Like we had the, of course, Titanic sub. I mean, unless you are living under a rock, I'm sure you heard about that. And then we had, over the weekend, a brief little story of, hey, Russia might not be a thing anymore. That was all over Twitter for, uh, I don't know, about 15 hours or so. And, uh, But you know what? We also had a lot of NBA news, a lot of relevant stuff that went down. The draft, of course. We also got some more trades in, in addition to things we discussed on our last episode. And free agency looms. Free agency will be starting on June 30th at 6 p.m. Eastern time. So we're going to get into all those topics today, and let's let's jump right in. Uh, we had the NBA draft last Thursday. It went down. Wemby, who memes are already asking, is he the a top five player in the NBA already before he's even played in the NBA? Whoa, let's slow down here a minute. But he went number one to the San Antonio Spurs. No shocker there. I'm just going to go through top five picks real quick here. The Hornets. Draft Brandon Miller, not Scoot Henderson, with the second pick of the draft. Leaving the Blazers to draft Scoot Henderson and not trade that pick away as Damian Lillard and his camp allegedly wanted them to do. The Rockets draft Amen Thompson with the fourth pick. And the Pistons, I love it. There's, there's the Cade and Jalen Green rivalry from that draft two years ago it continues the pistons draft amen thompson's twin brother Asar thompson with the fifth pick so an interesting top five and then there of course was a lot that went on after that but i want to focus in on the top five right now justin and i don't think we need to discuss Wemby going number one in any more detail that everyone knew that was happening so congrats to the spurs the hornets Drafting Brandon Miller at number two, I saw a video of a watch party that was going down in Charlotte and there were a lot of booze, a lot of mixed emotions with the Hornets drafting Brandon Miller. At number two, Brandon Miller really other than his time at Alabama. The only thing I know from him in interviews recently is that he said, Paul George is his goat of basketball. Um, <laughs> How do you feel about the Hornets drafting here? It seems like maybe a pick based on need and not based on top talent, depending on how you feel about Scoot Henderson and Ahmed Thompson. Do you think this is a swing and a miss by the Hornets or are, you know, do you feel better about it than a lot of people do out there?
1: I've told you this before. This is a you know it's now you're not supposed to say this, but I, I don't care. I'm <laughs> I'm not a fan of the NBA draft. It's just so mm. hard. It's just like kind of playing the lottery and just seeing what hits and what doesn't. I think even Jay Billis kind of alluded to that in terms of you know we don't know how good you know these guys are going to be you know until we hit year three, year four. It's just so difficult. Um, regarding your question, I mean. You like take a look at Woj. I mean, the Hornets really liked him. They worked him out. They taught him. I mean, they really extensively vetted him out. Um, I think the only concern is, like you said, do you draft for talent, the best talent, or you draft for need? And to me, if you're that bad, um, and there's rare occasions where there's some top teams that get high draft picks, but for the most part, for the Hornets, I mean, they've been you know a bottom feller. Um, playoff team or just at the bottom of the league, I would say you draft for talent always, but at the same time we'll see. I mean, if Brandon Miller is an All Star, I don't think that's a bad pick. You know, look at Trey Young. I mean, how many people dodged on that pick? You know, with Luca, that whole Luka situation. I mean, and look how you know with Atlanta now that they're looking to maybe trade him. But I don't think he was a failure. I don't think he was like this bust pick. So overall, we'll see. I don't think I don't think it's that. Um, I don't think it's terrible um, I mean you take a look at what I found at DraftKings They did a whole kind of uh, Just evaluations of all the picks here um, They say he's the excellent prospect That you know might fit better with LaMelo than Scoot um, And he's um, scored every level And I think he has a higher floor So we'll see I, I don't think this is such a terrible thing I don't think it's they picked some guy that was going to be picked I don't know in the second round <laughs> You know so I don't think it's a huge deal, but I think if you're a Hornets fan, you're just desperate to get the hottest thing. You didn't get it. So, um, you know, I get their frustration.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of concerns about LaMelo, you know, being a highlight player and not someone who can steer the franchise where it needs to go. Ultimately those concerns are fair, but also with everything that went down with um, I believe miles bridges um, you know, the team was in disarray anyway. The team was obviously tanking for Wemby last season, as many teams kind of were towards towards the end there especially. So I, I'm with you. I mean, Brandon Miller on paper looks like an ideal wing prospect, first wing drafted. So it's not like it was a huge reach. So I'm with you there, and he could just on paper – I mean, be a better NBA player overall. There are concerns about Scoot Henderson's size at 6'2". I mean, he will always be undersized as a guard in this league. People just love him because of the highlights and because of um, his determination and things in interviews. I mean, it seems like, I-, I would argue culturally, you know, maybe he would have a bigger splash and be just what the Hornets need, but obviously the Hornets don't agree with that. They've made mistakes in the past, certainly. So I can't say I have full confidence in the Hornets, but I don't see this as a huge swing and a miss either. Want to also get your thoughts. We we have a lot of rumors going on as we speak right now about Damian Lillard and some serious intentions with him um, going to the Miami Heat, maybe forcing a trade there or, uh, and also maybe the Blazers are signaling that it's time as well with their pick of Scoot Henderson. Maybe you could play Damian Lillard and Scoot Henderson together, but then we're back in a situation where it's kind of like, well, why wouldn't you just keep CJ McCollum then at that point, if we're going to do this too small combo guard type of routine. So Justin, I I just want to know, you know, based on the little info we know and that's out there other than speculation. And when the Blazers draft Scoot Henderson, is that a signal to you that the Dame era is
1: over in Portland? Um, it's tough to say. I think it can go either way. I think you would agree in this league, despite the last few NBA champions, I think you at least need one superstar, one all star. Um, I don't think, I think it's virtually impossible to to win the title, which is one all-star player you need he's a, a collection of them so to me just to start over and get rid of dame for what i mean i don't know what would miami trade i mean would they give up the part of their core nucleus i mean what exactly i'm curious what that trade would look like right um, if that does go down so I don't know. I don't think it's a sign that they're going to get rid of Damian Lillard. We'll see. I've heard some talks. Some of our former guests have intimated um, that they are concerned that they're going to lose um, Lillard. I mean, he's been such a huge pillar for that team and that community. Um, to start over, I would wonder why. I mean, just would to me, it just be like you're just starting over again. Despite what Scoot, when why well, just tried to play them together and see what happens. I don't. I don't know.
0: Yeah, looking at it, and of course, if if you didn't see, Damian Lillard was playing the Will Smith song "Welcome to Miami," in uh, I don't know an Instagram Live or, or some some type of streaming or something. So there's a lot of speculation behind that. His team said there there's. He means nothing by that. There, there wasn't a hidden message, but then it's being rumored as we speak that there is legitimate interest in Miami. So I don't know. It's going back and forth. We've had the Dame drama for several years and not that he's a very dramatic person himself. It's just always brought up in the off season. I do think, When I look at it from the other side of things like Damian Lillard's fit in Miami in terms of his personality and and match there, I I think it's a match made in heaven. So it wouldn't shock me at all if he ends up in Miami, but you're right. I'm curious what they give in order to get him because I don't feel like Tyler hero and Caleb Martin maybe would be enough to, to get this done. I, I think the Blazers would want a little bit more from this. And I'm not really sure Miami's uh, draft pick situation. And if that's even going to be appealing, if they're going to be serious contenders again next year, which of course we don't know that they are going to be. But yeah, definitely a situation we will be keeping an eye on as we get further along. Uh, Justin, I I also wanted to get your thoughts um, on Maybe just what you saw, just generally speaking from the draft before we move into the coverage. Any particular winners or losers that stand
1: out to you? Um, I got a different take on that. Winners is uh, how would I phrase this? Um, players not going to college winners. <laughs> um, wow. So, overtime, um, G League, international. I think that was you that in our uh friend chat that posted you know three of the top college players to not even get drafted if if i'm correct so Mm. and we'll see this could be a loser down the line with the thompson brothers was overtime i mean we've seen this in college basketball before when you see a lot of duke players when you see a lot of kentucky players and so on get selected and they perform well And the pros that helps recruiting, this could help overtime. This could change the way we think about this prep sports overall in terms of players leaving high school and then, you know, despite NIL just going to overtime or just, you know, know, bailing out of high school and just pursuing overtime altogether. They're getting paid. They're getting educated. They're learning how to be a pro. I mean, why just bypass that route altogether? So, um, and look at the G League as well. And we'll just have to wait and see if that's a success. So, I think for players not going to college, I think it was a huge win. College will always be there. You always have just the big coaches, just the, you know, players would want their education. I mean, there's other reasons why players find probably find the college route more appealing than, you know, what the new methods are now. But um, I do think the big winner was just um, those alternative methods of going to the league.
0: Yeah, and I just took a look of the top ten five of the players came from colleges yeah. five of the players came from minor leagues other other situations uh yeah. kind of non-traditional methods so yeah. um it it has been picking up steam I would guess that that's probably the the record thus far in history in terms of those alternative methods um I know there was a big overtime elite contingent uh when Jalen Green was drafted two years ago as well but I'd have to go back and look. I don't think it was half of the top 10. Yeah. Um, and furthermore, I mean, five out of the top seven. So you see the the impact that this is having and that um, that this is picking up steam. Uh, I think I, I'm with you. I think that'll continue to be the trend. I think more and more people are thinking of college as kind of a scam, Um so (laughs) i think that trend will continue in the nba and if if your intention if you're a top 100 prospect coming in and you have intentions of going pro why not just focus on that i mean this this is um akin to getting closer to the european system or even australian system where they have schools with an athletic intent, like kind of a development league that you go through, hone those skills more intensely, even earlier, if, yeah. if that is your ultimate career aspiration. Uh, so moving forward, I wanted to get your thoughts. Both you and I talked about it uh, before we got on here, and we both watched the draft. I, I watched, I want to say, the first 30 to 40 minutes of the draft off and on here and there. I'll be honest. I was I was cooking dinner. I was doing other things as it was going on, but I did try to tune in when it came back from commercial. Just want to get your thoughts on the coverage. It, it seems like every year we, we run into this again, where overall it seems people are just unhappy with the draft coverage overall. This year, I will say personally to me, uh, it feels like it's getting... More and more, no disrespect, but like a Lifetime movie. And there's nothing wrong with a Lifetime movie. That's fine. But when you think that your audience, and the numbers bear this out, I mean, the audience is predominantly male. I mean, at least two-thirds male. And we're getting a a lot more time interviewing the families and and it feels like a lot less time talking about X's and O's and fit with this team, what this may look like. There is some of both of that. What I'm saying is the scales have shifted a little bit more to the touchy feely type of stuff. And look, I'm not saying I know I sound so crusty right now. I'm not saying that I don't want any time with the families or anything like this. Obviously, this is a life changing moment for these families and that's great. But Justin, I I basically just gave you my thoughts on this right now. What are your thoughts on the
1: coverage? Um, it's it's interesting because I know with ESPN in particular, the draft, NFL, and NBA, they're trying to make it more of an event, um, especially with the NFL draft. That's like a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, with it being prime time, um, I get your point with the draftees. I think it's about telling stories. Um, this you know my background in just combat sports. I think that's important. Um, not just to tell what the action is going on or whatever venue, whatever sport that's gonna be going on, but those tell the backgrounds of the athletes in general. So I don't mind that. Um I I don't see that as being too much of an issue. I think when you get into X's and O's and it's us get too much into weeds, I think you might alienate casual fans out there. And mm-hmm. I think that's what ESPN is looking for. They're looking for that casual viewer that might be like, oh, this person, I don't know, beat cancer, or they went to this, I don't know, they have some kind of interesting angle about them rather than, hey, can they play, can they defend against a zone or, um, or they suck in them, you know, man-to-man or <laughs> um, their free throw percentage needs to increase. Like, I think they want to look for those more human stories. I think they're taking a page at the, out of the WNBA draft. That was all about that. It was very much story-driven. Um, and then you focus on the basketball afterwards. So um, I see your point. Um, I have to take a look at the ratings. I'm very curious if you have that data. Um, I would love to know how just, how the, the ratings work. Not. But um, I can look it up. But I just think, for me, I don't see too much of a problem with it. But, you know, the ratings draw out. That's kind of my rule. If people like it, I mean, then they like it. If they don't, then you have to make a change. Um, despite my own personal feelings about it. I get I get your point. I get it can get yeah, yeah. super sappy and there's like all these families up there. I get it. It's just kinda like, you know, what what's the really the big point of this draft? But I think at the same time, I think they're trying to tell the stories of these guys in the league, which may feel antiquated just because they're social media, they can tell their own stories via their <laughs> own platforms. So I get I get what you're saying. Well, and
0: here's the thing too. Um, I, I know again, this sounds mean and crusty, but Hey, I, I guess I'm just in a mood today or something, but not everyone has an interesting story. Um, you know, just, just to put it bluntly, that doesn't mean that not everyone deserves a little bit of time to share that story. And yeah, I do think it's important to sell the players because, you know, the players are the product, the the commodity of this league that draw people in. So you got to build up something. I, I totally agree. I just think, for me, the balance has shifted a, a little too much the other way. But obviously, this is very subjective, and other people feel very differently about that. Um, so be curious to see um, what we get moving forward with that. Um, there's a little banter between co-hosts. Um, I, I'm not sure if if you saw the joke that – seemed like didn't really land at least with how social media reacted, which granted you got to take a grain of salt there too. But when JJ Redick was called an average shooter in his NBA career, um, which was, I think pretty obviously a joke, it it just wasn't delivered as well as it could have been. Obviously like JJ handled things like a professional on, on his social media. And I think, was kind of surprised that people were offended by that or whatever just like dude she's disrespecting you and really i i don't think that was the case seemed like a joke that just didn't land all that well i don't know a lot of interesting things about this coverage yeah. um i found the feel- ratings were
1: up um 23%
0: oh wow well yeah. that's that's huge yeah. and maybe you know it's hard to know i mean that top three was very interesting for one thing. A lot of people, I mean, the Wemby effect has to be in play too. People are eager just to like see him and what, what he looks like since, you know, he's kind of like a basketball alien, so to speak is something that we've never seen before. Um, So some of that I would guess would be the draw, but you know, I mean, credit to the coverage there that it, it did not I mean, ratings did not go down, so it clearly was not a hindrance there. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention that, that I think is an interesting topic to bring up, and then we need to get into trade talk and free agent talk, but quickly, it gets brought up every year that you're if you're sitting watching the draft go by, um, there's really no need to because you can turn on your Twitter alerts for – woge and shams and you can see the picks go by and you will know what the pick is before it is even announced on the tv because nba executives whoever it is someone is feeding both woge and shams this information and they will have it to you um my question is, does this take away from that TV product you mentioned earlier about the NFL trying to make the the draft a TV product, a, a huge event? And the NBA, I'm sure, would love to compete with the NFL draft. I mean, the NBA wants to compete with the NFL and, and blow out the NFL. I mean, they're both competitors in the uh, entertainment business. Do you think there is... First of all, I mean, is it detrimental for Woj and Shams to be tweeting these things out? And is this something where you think it would be reasonable for the league to take action? Hey, ESPN, hey, The Athletic, even though you guys are partners with us and you promote our league, settle down with these Woj and Shams tweets for these two hours while the draft is going on. What are your
1: thoughts there? I think that's a very slippery slope. Um, Just because I think like you're censoring the media. And then also I'm wondering how many people are going to be that outraged about it being spoiled. Like don't go on your phone. Like if you're a basketball fan, you should know, you know about Adrian Wojnarowski. you know about Shams.
0: <laughs> I mean, true. you
1: know about all these sites. Why? I don't understand. That's your own fault. Like don't look at your phone. Like that's stupid. And they're going to tell you on the broadcast anyway. Like they're like, is that a spoiler about Wimpy? Like, I don't understand. Like, is that a spoiler about, like, the other picks, you know, happening here? Like, that's the news. Like, Woj is telling you, hey, the Charlotte Hornets worked out Braylon Miller. They really like him. He's likely, like, you can't say that on TV. Like, what are we doing here? What's the point of having this draft? Like, you just want him to have just have picks? Like, <laughs> like what's the point of having analysis? Like, we're just going to have, well, we don't know who's going to get picked, and then we're going to act like it's a surprise. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, just I mean- think it's I, pretty think, foolish
0: to me, I think beforehand and, and afterwards, obviously, it's, it's a done thing. I, I guess the argument would be to try and funnel and focus viewers as much as you can into tuning into the draft itself on television. Like if you're but looking there, at yeah. boosting TV ratings
1: and things like that. But aren't the viewers, just, I mean, let's keep it real. The viewers are going to be tuned into who's hot in the draft, not if the, who's, who's getting spoiled. So if the draft has scrub players, like they can do whatever, the draft's going to be mediocre. And if there's a once-in-a-generational talent like Victor Wimbiana, the coverage could suck, but the ratings are going to be high because they want to see Victor. So it doesn't matter. So to me, this depends on like the, getting the picks over. I think that's kind of the situation with these networks is getting you know your next draft class, and that's through SportsCenter, that's through just your NBA coverage and not making them perceive like they're crap players and hyping them up. Mm-hmm. That's where, that's where the, that's, I think that's where the work comes into. Um, I just think relying on like coverage is just like the Super Bowl, for instance, it's just like a lot gets made of, Oh, Joe Buck's doing a game. I'm not going to watch it's like what? Okay. Well, sucks to be you. Well, you're going to miss a great game. So yeah, I think coverage is overrated. Um, I think this comes down to ultimately just the substance um, that's being fed to the viewer, which is the quality of the draft picks. I get it in terms of, you know, I think for hardcore fans like us, I think it's more of a factor, but for the casual viewer or for people having draft parties, the volume's down. You're just waiting to see who gets picked.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, the other thing that couldn't be controlled here as we're thinking this through, you know, I think... Whether Woj and Shams are tweeting or not, I mean, after the pick is made, it's going to be someone's going to tweet it out on Twitter, no matter what. So the question really comes into play is: Does it get people to tune in to television to not know, like, not know ahead of time, like a couple minutes before that pick is announced, like if if Woj or Shams or whoever tweeted it, if if they hadn't tweeted. Brandon Miller is picked second. Cause that's where the drama was in, in this draft. Uh, the main drama anyway, um, would more people have tuned in, uh, to see that happen on TV. And I think there is somewhat of an argument that ESPN in, in owning that property and paying for that TV deal. I do think that gives them some, some sway there to say like, Hey, you guys are, spoiling the time sensitivity of this product after the pick is made and announced on television, like we want television to be the first place that's announced. And then you guys can tweet away. We're really talking about a difference of, you know, maybe three to five minutes in terms of when this information is being announced. I don't know in the modern age that it makes as big of a difference as, you know, the people who, who would side with, you know, having woge and shams wait until the pick is officially in and announced on tv um i don't know how big of an impact that that's why i find it to be a fascinating topic is that i, I don't really know unless we saw it practiced i
1: don't know that it increases ratings or not um i know we got to move on but i'll just say this i think there's other metrics too in terms of how the draft does and that's social media and that's like internet right and i think if you're the nba as a league I think it's one of those things, if you're getting buzzed for your league, does it matter about if it's being spoiled or not? I mean, this is driving in terms of TV ratings down the line. I mean, look at, you know, when Victor plays Scoop or when whoever, you know, the top five play each other. Like, it's to a point that if this is driving enough interest to Summer League in terms of, you know, the first game of the season, I mean, to me, what does it matter if the draft's being spoiled? And if the ratings are lower for the draft, but ultimately there's more interest on social media. I mean, to me, it's just, I don't understand. I think it's weird with people in terms of really push how social media is this big thing, but yet say, but in this case, make television seem more important. Like, which is it? Like, I think they all worked in congruence with each other. So even though a person may not be watching the draft, if they're following on their phone, they might see the clips online of Victor being drafted, that's most likely gonna be three SPN. So I just right. I don't know. I just think there's different metrics nowadays besides just that television rating being the end all be all. I mean there's other revenue that the league and ESPN is making besides just their advertisers advertisers on television.
0: A hundred percent yeah I and I think the NBA doesn't have a problem. The the NBA has been always super open about people using their content and promoting their product very rare that people get, you know, banned and things like that for using NBA footage, uh, even without permission, which I think is really cool. Um, I I think the question comes into play when it's ESPN. And if ESPN is like, hey, we're putting on this coverage, we own the rights to the official broadcast for this event. I think that's where the, the deeper question lies. But if ESPN is not up in arms about it, then then there's no issue and it'll yeah. it'll continue uh, how it is. And seems like that'll be the case since, as you mentioned, ratings were up for this draft. Yeah. So
1: yeah, we'll, we'll see, see how it happens. goes. Yeah,
0: for sure. Let's move into some trades because we had some really impactful trades with some huge names. Maybe not quite as big as the big the the Beal deal. Maybe this first one a little bit bigger than the Beal deal. Cause there was more uh, than one major player involved. Um, so let's get into it. Boston, this happened on June 23rd, Boston lands Christops Porzingis. Holy moly. He, he will be an expiring contract. So that's something to bear in mind with this. Uh, they also get the number 25 pick, which was traded to Detroit who turned into Marcus Sasser. Um, They also get a 2024 first round pick. That's right. The Celtics also get a first round pick. Um, And I, I could be wrong. I don't believe they would have had a pick in this draft. Had they not uh, executed this trade, then the Grizzlies get from the Celtics Marcus smart. So, out with Dylan Brooks in terms of your toughness culture there and in with Marcus smart mirrors. A lot of people mentioned, and I think it's accurate, the Tony Allen to Memphis from the Celtics uh, back several years ago, about a decade ago, maybe a a little more than a decade ago, actually. Um, So the Grizzlies get Marcus smart out of this deal. The wizards get Tyus Jones from the Grizzlies. The wizards get Danilo Gallinari, who was injured last season for the Celtics and the Wizards get Mike Muscala and Julian Phillips uh, was picked from the draft and traded to the Chicago Bulls. Uh, so, all right. The Celtics get Kristaps Porzingis, the best player. I-, I think everyone would agree had a pretty solid season last year in Washington, even though that Wizards team wasn't great. And the, the Celtics get two first-round picks. So they get the best player and the best assets. Grizzlies get Marcus Smart. And Wizards get Tyus Jones, who's a young, promising guard. Danilo Gallinari, who may be an expiring contract, NBA veteran. He may get moved during the season, uh, as well as two others, uh, one second-round pick that they wound up trading to Chicago, as we mentioned. How did this happen? How did the Celtics get both Porzingis and
1: these two first-round picks? Do you understand this trade, Justin? No, it's a crazy trade. Um, it's a chance, <laughs> I think. With the with Porzingis, I've been on his bandwagon, but at at some point, I just think injuries weren't there. I, I think, but it might be a good role for him, just being kind of a role a strong role player and possibly off the bench or a player to stick into the starting lineup to spinning on their versatility. So I think it's a smart move for the Celtics. It shows they're being proactive, especially because of what happened this past playoff year. I think they need to make some changes. So the question is, does that mean getting rid of Marcus Smart? I mean, he was, I felt, a pretty core part of that team. We'll see. I mean, I could have you know consequences down the line, but – you know, I think there's some room to be optimistic for the Celtics, especially having picks in the draft. Uh, that's gonna be huge for them.
0: This really pushes the Celtics to find new leadership because Marcus Smart for gosh, since 2014, I believe, when he is when he was drafted, he was kind of the heart and soul of this team and, and kind of the tough guy of this team as well. So now The Celtics are going to have to see Tatum. Can you step up and be that leader? Jalen Brown, is that you, are you going to be the leader of this team? I mean, obviously they still have Al Horford and his great veteran leadership. Uh, This, this is a huge win for the Celtics. And I don't think there's any other way to look at it. They get to do a test run with Porzingis here and see if they want to eventually re-sign him. Of course, they'll, They'll kind of have first dibs on that if they want to, and he could be an excellent pairing next to these, next to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum if if they can afford to do that. Also, the Celtics simultaneously take care of kind of a sort of overgrowth issue in their guard position. Now Derek White can play more. Now Malcolm Brogdon, who was sixth man of the year last season, he can play more. A little awkward that at first they almost sent him to the Clippers as a part of this deal when it was first formed, but I'm sure they'll figure that out. Um, And I think this makes Celtics arguably right up there with the Bucs again, depending on what shakes out with Chris Middleton, who opted out. I I think this makes them, once again, favorites, maybe co-favorites in the Eastern Conference right away because of that extra rim protection you're getting with Porzingis and you can still run five on the court with the Celtics where all five players have range. And, um, I I think if everyone's healthy, once again, they are a tough out and I I don't know. Um, you can say what you want about coach Missoula. He got them pretty far, should be able to get them even further, if, if he's still around at the start of next season, I I don't think he will um, hold them back from at least matching the Eastern conference finals at this point, but Hey, we've still got a lot of off season to go. Want to get your thoughts also on the other big part of this. Um, I mean, it seems like Wizards are in development tanking mode right now, maybe a season too late, you could argue, but let's look at the Grizzly side of this. We talked about in our last episode, John Morant is suspended for 25 games. So this makes a huge impact on a team that already was quite good without John Morant in the lineup uh, last season and in, in previous seasons has, has kind of been a shocking thing, how good they have been in spite of John Morant's absences, whether due to suspension or injury. So this is a team that needed veteran leadership. You're certainly getting that with Marcus smart. How do you feel about his fit with Memphis? And are you positive negative on this? Even if maybe they gave up a little bit too much to get him.
1: Um, I'm pretty positive on this. Add some toughness Adds a lot of experience, um he he knows when things are not going well that you could turn things around i think especially for a young team um that can get mentally taxing and i think he's been through the ringer so i think that's pretty invaluable so overall i think this is a good move for the grizzlies to make um come playoff time we'll see you know i think marcus smart has his um, positives and negatives but I think overall, you do need somebody like that on your team to ultimately get to that final destination, which is a title win. So um, overall, I think this is a positive.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. Even if they had to overpay a little bit, um, this is a team with with depth, and veteran leadership is a huge need. Um, if Stephen Adams is still around next season, now you've got two solid vets here that can help out, and they're still – the full off season to go essentially let's move on. Cause we've got another trade to talk about. And this trade is something that uh, you and I talked about in, in terms of the Draymond controversy last season, Draymond punched Jordan pool. Um, and it was messy. And, and I think it messed with their season. It messed with their title repeat chances, and so coming into this off season, Draymond has entered free agency. He is still a free agent and that won't be settled till at least the 30th where he goes. But there was kind of a sense, you know, Jordan Poole on a multi-year deal at this point. Some people say the Warriors, that, that's a pretty bad contract, but now they don't have to worry about it because it seems to me they have signaled in this deal and we can talk about this more, but it seems to me, this is for one thing, you get the experience of Chris Paul. But you also get your signaling of loyalty to Draymond Green. Hey, let's run this back. Jordan Poole isn't here anymore. Yeah, we probably all agree that you were wrong for leveling him with that punch. But Draymond, you've been with us for years. You've been the heart and soul, certainly of our defense, and maybe a big part of our culture here, too. Um, But... Chris Paul is traded from the Wizards. We figured he wouldn't last there. There were rumors he was going to the Clippers again for that reunion, not to be. Traded Chris Paul for Jordan Poole, a protected first round pick in 2030 and a second round pick in 2027 and Ryan Rollins. Um, so first, Jordan Poole, I think, Let me know if you have any different feelings here, but I think he may be a big stats guy. He moves into the Bradley Beal role on this team. He's going to get a lot of shots. Um, He's going to get a chance to show what he can do. I think it could be disastrous because to this point in his career, defenses haven't really, um, he, he hasn't really been the primary focus of defenses, obviously next to Curry and Clay. So Jordan Poole,
1: how do you think he does in, in this wizard situation here? Um, I think it's a fresh start but you know, losing wears quickly. (laughs) So um, if you thought the situation in Golden State was bad, I think it's not going to improve in Washington, but at the same time, if he's able to adapt and, you know, this is a good opportunity for him. I mean, there's all-star consideration just in terms of, like you said, Matt, more opportunity to score. So, um, it sounds it's a corny answer, but it's kind of it's up to him to make the best of it. We'll see. You go either way. I agree.
0: Yeah, I think the the change of scenery with with all the body language on the bench in the playoffs, I, I think he almost uh, played and acted himself into this trade happening. I, I do think if he had a different performance in the playoffs, then I, I think honestly Draymond might be gone. Um, but Man, with all the money and time dedicated to him still on that contract, um, I, I think the Warriors made the right move here. Um, they get Chris Paul. Seems to me could be a useful piece, of of course, for trying to get back. Uh, screams to me of like, hey, we can bring Draymond back. We can maybe go for one last hurrah. And Chris Paul is going to be someone who's great to fit in this guard rotation. I think if he can get healthy and and be around, you know, if if Chris Paul is just running the second unit for the Warriors, that that is amazing. I mean, he can still, I think, elevate guys around him. Uh, and in a situation where he could be the head of a second unit, this yeah. this is a great match. Um, and a smart player and a guy, honestly, who could be sort of a, working towards an assistant coach um type of role from from the bench um eventually you know as he gets closer to the end of his nba career but but i think chris paul can be very useful and i think he can have less maybe the least amount of pressure he's had in a long time on him here maybe ever and have kind of pick his spots in the playoffs how do you like the fit of chris
1: paul in this warriors team mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, we've talked about, I guess, his tendency to get injury prone, so I'm hesitant about this. I think it's one of those situations where if Clay or Steph get hurt, he's going to be put in a position to produce on a consistent basis. And True. I feel pretty uneasy about that. However, if they stay healthy, I think he'll be a valuable, valuable asset because you don't need him to score. I mean, you have Steph and Clay for that. So I think he'll fit right in. I know, I guess... Steph and Chris Paul had some beef back in the day. I guess that's all resolved now. So <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see them just, you know, being on the same team. But I think if injuries do become an issue, I do think it might be too much for Chris Paul to handle. So we'll see.
0: It's kind of surreal. Cause it's sort of a pairing that never, I, I never thought would have made sense right. to have like Chris Paul and Steph Curry on the same team together. But you know, Time changes things and, and it seems like maybe it's not the perfect fit, but if Chris Paul is in once again, a a second unit type of situation here, primarily, then that brings up a huge weakness for the Warriors. Um, So could, could be just what they need in, in many respects. Um, Let's move forward. We have one more trade to quickly look at. Just mostly want to announce to you guys. I think it's pretty obvious why it happened. John Collins and Trey Young. I mean, there are rumors for years that the Hawks were trying to trade John Collins. And I think a primary reason is that there was a a big clash that happened, I think, two years ago in terms of John Collins wanting to be the focal point of the offense. And that just was never in the cards while (laughs) Trey Young was having his ascension in Atlanta and becoming sort of the star player. And a, a driving force in the city of Atlanta, to be honest. I mean, something for Atlanta sports fans to get really excited about, especially that year where they had that improbable seeming run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so this is settled. Um, Rudy Gay, yes, he is still in the league. He <laughs> is traded from the jazz. No disrespect, Rudy. Um, excited that you're still in the league. <laughs> um, Rudy Gay and a second round pick to uh, the Atlanta Hawks for John Collins. This is in part a salary dump. It gives the Hawks a lot of options. Uh, they can keep DeJounte Murray on the roster moving forward, uh, and they can keep Trey Young paired with him if they want to. And the Jazz have a lot of cap space. Um, I, I think it's kind of maybe a weird pick on this team when you consider like Kessler on the roster and how well he played, uh, along with marketing, of course, being like the star of that team. And the three of those guys kind of can fit into power forward or center roles, but Hey, you've got a, a guy who I think is pretty versatile. And so you can certainly have three guys rotating through those two positions. Um, and of course they have, they have more depth there even beyond yeah. that.
1: Um, any thoughts on on this trade? Uh, not too much. You summed it up. I think <clears throat> just with the Hawks, I think they're trying to go over their future, especially with Trey Young, like Dejounte Murray. Is, is that going to be kind of the way that they want to move, or do they just want to kind of do they want to start over as well? So I think this is part one in terms of developing what they want to do.
0: First off season for Quinn yeah. Snyder as coach. Yeah. going to be interesting to see how the chips fall there. All right, last topic to cover for today, free agency. Oh, joy. (laughs) NBA offseason is here, Uh, and I don't mean that sarcastically. It's going to be really interesting. I mean, genuinely, a lot of big names that could really change some franchises out there. So here's how we're going to frame this. Justin, you're a Bulls fan. I'm a Rockets fan. (sighs) Both our teams stink right now, but hey, maybe things will turn around. But there there are some big-name free agents here. I don't want to consider salary cap restrictions, things like that. I just want to know. We'll go through. I'll let you lead the way on these for your Chicago Bulls, and then I'll give an answer for my Houston Rockets. Yes or no, would you want your team to sign this player? And I'm going to go through some of the top names in free agency. Here we go. Justin, would you be excited for Draymond
1: Green to be signed by the Chicago Bulls? I would. He wouldn't be a difference maker, but I think he bring in the mentality of winning a championship again. It's just one of those things when you've been through every possible scenario. Draymond's been through when the Warriors stunk. They've been through when they're the favorite. They've been through when they're the underdog. That provides you a great mental toughness to win you don't need to panic about certain things and panic about other things that are important. So I think I would be excited, even though it wouldn't be such a massive difference on the court um, in terms of him being like this savior. But um, in terms of the signing, I think I would be excited. Yep.
0: Yeah. I'd be excited as well, especially Draymond and Coach Doka in Houston, yeah. working on – upping the defense of that young core. I, I would love to see it uh, quickly. I mean, if you had to bet, if you had to place money on this right now, would you bet Draymond goes to the warriors or would you bet on the field? <sighs>
1: good question. Um, I think I bet on the field. I think if he wasn't good friends with LeBron, I think I would have him returning to the warriors, but mm. I just think at this point, I just think he's going to the Lakers. I really wow. Like okay. Yeah. A lot of rumors about the Kings right now. Yeah.
0: Um, we'll see what happens. I yeah. I personally would bet the Warriors. Actually, I I think makes uh, sense. Especially now with Jordan Poole gone, uh, I I think uh, chemistry would be better on that team. Um, but yeah we'll see we'll see what happens i mean i think just from the drama side of things draymond is maybe the most interesting free agent not not necessarily even the on the court things yeah. all right we'll uh lightning round some of the rest of these since they're not quite as
1: deep brooke lopez would you want him as a bull yes or no uh yeah i would i like brooke lopez I always liked him milano his brother i think his brother played for chicago didn't he um yes robin did yeah, yeah. So I always thought Brooke was a more talented brother. So I'd be very excited to have him for sure. Yep. I'm
0: with you. Yes, absolutely. Fred Van Vliet, 2019 NBA champion.
1: Yes. (laughs) Desperately indeed. (laughs) Uh, Especially with Lonzo Ball. Absolutely. Um, He'd be a great addition and just kind of some stability um, in that point guard position. So, yes.
0: Yeah, I have mixed feelings because the Rockets have a ton of guard depth, but the Rockets don't have a ton of guard veteran leadership. So if we got Fred Van Vliet for like a three-year deal or something like that, I'm going to overall say yes. Um, Dylan Brooks of Memphis Grizzly infamy, you might say, (laughs) much maligned this last postseason with how um, he intentionally fouled LeBron, et cetera, went after LeBron, and uh, ultimately failed in the first round. Yes or no to
1: Dylan Brooks to the Bulls? I think if he went to the Bulls, he'd be compared to Joe Kim Noah, and I think he'd be just like a disappointment compared to Noah. He's so (laughs) beloved in Chicago, so probably not. I'm going to say
0: no as well. I, I don't know. I Honestly, might be an unfair judgment. But just from what I've seen on the court, I don't know that I want him influencing the young core of Houston. So I'm going to say no as well. And, um, you know, if, if I heard otherwise, other stories about him and and more leadership in, in Memphis, et cetera, uh, that were positive, you know, maybe I would change my mind on that because you could get him for fairly cheap right now. It's rumored he's $12 million a year, I think is what he's asking. All right, big one, maybe the most talented name here, even if he has passed his prime, James
1: Harden. Would you want him as a bull, yes or no? Oh, I would say yes, um, begrudgingly. I just think because of his scoring. Um, not a tough thing, it's, 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 it's totally hypothetical. I mean, he would be with, you know, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. I think there'd be some issues there. Um, depending it's a scenario where they got rid of Zach Levine, I think that'd be a good match. Um, but I, I just don't like what I heard about doc from doc rivers, just mm-hmm. him just being his yeah. mindset overall. Ugh, I just don't like that. So begrudgingly, yes, it's because he's such a, I think potential generational talent, but um, I would have my concerns. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, it'd be interesting. He, I could see where he could be a decent fit on the Bulls and, yeah. and kind of raise their floor. I don't know about raising their ceiling all that much. For my answer, specifically because of past history in Houston, I know most Rockets fans, It's from, from what I see anyway, people posting would disagree with me, but I'm going to say no, simply because James Harden has been there in Houston <laughs> for eight years, and I just want to turn the page forward. I don't want the next couple years – James Harden being playing on the court, uh, and benching Amen Thompson, you know, Thompson may not be ready to go this year, but I, I want him playing, you know, maybe like six men or, or, or like 15 minutes a game, like start building that up. I just think Harden would take away from that too much. Um, and, and there's so much guard depth in Houston and I don't, I mean, I said yes to Fred Van Vliet, but that's because we haven't he's younger and we haven't had him on the rockets yet. Yeah, I just feel like there's there's too much personal um baggage in, in some ways <laughs> with James Harden if he came back to Houston. It's still rumored that that's a big possibility. I think personally it's just to give him leverage for re-signing with the 76ers is is how I feel about it. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. Kurt Helen who we had on the show. I mean, you can go back and listen to his clip. He was very, very bullish. This was months ago, but thought, no, there is fire to the smoke with James Harden. Um, Moving forward, Harrison Barnes.
1: Uh, I think my, um, I'll keep it brief. My excitement for him has waned a long time ago. So no. (laughs) Mm,
0: I think character guy, veteran leadership, I would want him on the Rockets. I could see, with pieces you already have in Chicago, why that wouldn't be as great of a fit? Uh, for what you guys have. So that yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. One more, Justin, just for you, because he's a free agent. <laughs> I have to ask, Kyle Kuzma wants now. Don't factor <sighs> salary cap into your, sure. your equation here, but he wants thirty million a year, and he did have a good season
1: last year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no thanks. He can uh, keep his eccentric fashion somewhere else. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I would say no as well for the Rockets, even though, I mean, he's he's entering sort of a veteran stage of his career. He, he can kind of claim that. I don't think he brings the defense to the table that that the Rockets sorely need at, at that yeah. wing position. And I'd rather have like Tari Eason getting minutes there. Um, I'd rather have more time for KJ, even though we've had a couple years to see KJ play. Um, I, I just would rather not those minutes go to Kyle Kuzma, even if he could raise their floor a bit, give them a better shot in getting into the play in tournament. So that's what we have for today. Any last notes or things you wanted to mention, Justin, any topics or
1: headlines that we missed? No, um, I think that covers it. Just again, it's been a fantastic season. Just check out our archived interviews. just through our, either our YouTube channel or through our podcast feed. If you have any feedback, please email us at whosawsheepaw.gmail.com. We would love to hear it. Absolutely.
0: Enjoy the start of free agency. I'm sure we will have things to say about it next week as the news starts coming in. For Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. Thank you as always for listening and supporting the show. Peace out.
1: See ya. Bye-bye.